0: Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start reading with verse 18 uh, through 21. And you're pretty familiar with this uh, four, four or five verses by now. Well, let's, let's look at them again. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. It's been uh, three or four weeks now that we have uh, kind of been zeroing in on this, uh, on this scripture of, of what it means to, um, what it looks like to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, continually um, being filled under the influence, under the control of, Letting the Holy Spirit direct and guide through you. We uh, began looking at this a while back at how that would uh, reveal itself, how it would look, what it would look like on the outside. And uh, we've taken what I call my Oreo approach to it. Uh, we, we, we started by taking it apart and taking the bottom layer first, uh, and that was, uh, we, we talked about that as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives, as the Holy Spirit is filling us, that he produces a, a, hum, a humble spirit, or a spirit that is able to submit to others in the, in the name of the Lord. Now, then a couple of weeks ago, we took the top layer, and uh, we talked about, uh, as the Holy Spirit uh, in, in dwells and inhabits us and in, infuses our lives, that he produces a joy. He produces a song. We talked about the, uh, the the benefits of having a song in your heart, a joy in your heart. Now, this morning, we get to do what I call lick in the middle, okay? And that's that white part of the Oreo. I was sharing first service. Uh, there's, that's the only way to eat an Oreo right. I know you can dunk it a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. Now, my daughter, and she's able to be with us this morning so that she's not in the nursery. I, I don't, she is her mother's daughter in a lot of ways. I, and I don't know, tell you the truth, I don't know where this comes from, probably from the mom's side of the family. But she, she does to a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup something that is almost ungodly. Now, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, when you tample, tamper with that, it's almost like tampering with, with the wafers of, of the communion. But she eats the chocolate off and leaves a peanut butter glob. I don't know where that comes from. I don't want to go to the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, but I, wanted, I do want us to look at, at this center part of the, of the verses of being filled with the Spirit. And it talks about being thankful. We've looked at being humble. We've talked about being joyful with a song in our heart, being able to submit to each other. And now in verse 20 of Ephesians 5, he says, giving thanks always, For all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I thought, man, how how thankful I was that it just worked out this time of year for us to be right here. Last Sunday, Richard Sharp did a marvelous. I I, I felt like one of the best messages I've ever heard him preach from Psalms 100. But he talked about this unique holiday, this uniquely American holiday that we have called Thanksgiving. Now, to me, I believe that there are valuable lessons for us, lessons that we cannot forget and we, that we, we mustn't let our children and our grandchildren and our neighbors forget about Thanksgiving as it relates to our country, to the United States of America. When the pilgrims came ashore in 16, in the fall, late of 1620, uh, they had a few parties had come to land, got wood, uh, scouted out the area and everything. But after the signing of the Mayflower Compact, when the, when the party, when the, the, the people, all the people came ashore in 1620, history tells us that the first thing they did as they gathered on the shore, the first thing they did was knelt and prayed. And they thanked God for his providence and for his protection and for bringing them to this new land. The next thing that they did, history tells us, is that they opened the Bible and they read Psalms 100 as they worshiped there on the shore. Well, they thanked the Lord. And the reasons for that, without going into a lot of history, I don't want to go into, it's not a history lesson this morning, but there are a few things without going into that, is that to look at that first winter in this, in the new land for these new people was brutal. Okay. History tells us that over half the people who made the trip in the Mayflower died that first winter of the wives and mothers, only four survived that first winter. It was, it was brutal, but God in his providence and in his mercy had a plan for this new people in this new land. And I believe that with all my heart. I've got in, in, out in my office the light and the glory. If you've never read that, you need to read that book as that book chronicles and documents miracle after miracle after miracle of what I believe was God's, was God's blessings and, and providing for our country. In the fall of 1621, after they had gathered their first crop, the pilgrims set aside a special day for a feast. And for giving of thanks and for thanksgiving, for prayer. And so they, they did that in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the hardships. It would be a little over 200 years later in 1864. In November of 1864, in the, in the height of, uh, of uh, the, the, one of the most difficult times in our nation's history, the, the war between the states, and in November of that year, President Abraham Lincoln designated that the, the last Thursday of, every, of November would forever be a day of thanks, of national giving of thanks. Now, not because everything was going well. We were The reports were coming back every day, and the world was waiting to see if, if this new country would implode from the, the fighting from within, the civil war that was going on within. And in the midst of that, and in spite of that, he set aside a national day of thanksgiving. I believe that it's critical that we as Christians develop, nurture, and maintain a thankful and grateful heart. God's word tells us that as the Holy Spirit fills us, that we are to give thanks always for all things Unto God and the Father. Are you thankful no matter what? Are you thankful no matter what? You know, sometimes we, we sing the course, count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done. And, and, and we do that to remind us of the blessings that are there, that, that sometimes in the midst of, maybe a a, a lost job in the midst of of a, a difficult diagnosis, in the midst of a death or a separation, in the midst of tragedy, we lose perspective. And it's possible this morning that you just can't think of a blessing at all to be thankful for. Are you thankful? Someone has said, it's not what we're thankful for, but it's who we're thankful to. That's important. Wow. Someone else, and I, I ran across two or three of these. I didn't know where to fit them in the message. So I'm just going to throw them all at you right now. <laughs> Someone said, compare what you want with what you have, and you'll always be unhappy. <laughs> compare what you deserve with what you have is a different story. And then I ran across this one. And I don't know who wrote it. I, I don't know who wrote these. I couldn't, couldn't find names. But I'm, I'm quoting, it says, it's not life's circumstances that determines the quality of our lives. But it's how we respond to them. This is why the th- Thanksgiving season is so indispensable for us all. It's a reminder of the gratitude we need, the sense of wonder and appreciation we must have if life is to be full and alive. And I'm finishing the quote, Thanksgiving is a season of perspective. Wow. Putting things in perspective. I pray that sometime in the past few days, that sometime this past week, that, uh, that God has been able to speak into your life some fresh perspective. Maybe just to be sure we're zeroed in, be sure we're still on target. As I was reading and looking and praying about today, I, I came to a conclusion and I, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's not just a jury Helton. Now, I feel like I got another cowboy logic this morning. Okay, another cowboy logic. Just because it pops into your head don't mean it needs to come out your mouth. Okay. And I thought, boy, that's somebody's reading my mail. <laughs> All right. But I'm pretty sure this is not just something that popped into Jury Helton's head. But I believe it's scriptural. And I can, I'm can i going to share that with you. Why I believe it's scriptural. I'm going to share a scripture with you. But that's this. That Ingratitude. Ingratitude. Not being thankful, right? Ingratitude is a sin. Ingratitude is a sin, along the, just the same as stealing, or lying, or immorality is a sin. It puts it in a whole strong perspective. But I was reading in Romans chapter one, and in Romans chapter one, God's indictment against a rebellious people is in that very first chapter. And in verse 21, look what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He says, because that when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither, look at this, neither were they thankful. But they became vain in their own imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. An ungrateful heart is cold toward God an ungrateful heart i believe is a heart that's forgotten that it's god that gives us the very breath we breathe the very life that we have the very if there is any hope it comes from god thanksgiving is a i believe is a natural result of the outflowing of the holy spirit of god Giving us that perspective of who He is and of all that He's done for us. Psalms, the Psalmist in Psalms one and forty-seven, seven said this way: "Said, sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving; sing praise unto the harp, upon the harp unto our God." Then in, in Colossians chapter three, and we read this not too long ago, says, "And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body." And then, what does He say? "And be ye thankful." So the question begs itself this morning is why should we be thankful? And I believe the answer is because God has commanded it. God has told us to. In his wisdom, he knows that to fail to give thanks is to allow the cultivation of of, uh, attitudes that we as believers dare not allow to grow in our lives. And one of those is bitterness. Being thankful, I believe, is a deterrent to becoming bitter. Bitterness, to me, is like putting unforgiveness and anger in a crock pot. And cooking them slow and just letting them heat up. And it develops into something that's not pretty. And it's not good. And it's dangerous. Bitterness. You know, anybody that's bitter, I mean, I mean, bitter, you know, it it seems like some people make a a lifelong project out of that. I don't want to develop, but some people, you know, some people, they come to church and the church is too hot or the church is too cold. And if it's a real good day, it's both. The preacher's too long winded or he's not preached long enough. And the preacher's wife has not got on the right outfit, how dare, and look at the preacher's kids. And this is before they even get out of the parking lot and come inside. <laughs> they're just angry. They're, they're bitter. There's Nothing satisfies them. We uh, People, we uh, had a first service, we had a, a brand new grandbaby, Oakley. I think that was Barbara Drew's, and they had this new baby. Now, I love babies. I, I just, I like babies, uh, Babies, babies tell you a lot about people. Jackie, I'm, I'm blessed to work with some of the best people in the world, but they have the quirks. And Jackie Coyne loves babies, but she sniffs babies. Uh, she'll, she'll get a baby, and she, and she, and she, she smells, she, 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 and she'll, and I'm like, yeah, they're just something, I don't know, I don't know. Babies smell precious, but they're, they're beautiful. But, but have you ever been around a, a person that's bitter? And, and you don't see them, they, you see a baby and you know what they think. I'm glad I ain't got to change them diapers. I'm glad I can sleep through the night or, or, or this. And I've heard them. <sighs> Boy, if they know how much money it's going to cost to raise that. And just can't even enjoy the preciousness of life and the miracle of birth. Because they're bitter. They're angry. Bitter, bitterness is dangerous and it's deadly. Kills the joy. Listen to this. It kills the joy in the person who has allowed it to to seethe and to germinate in their lives, and it not only kills their joy, but it can sap the joy out of those who are around them. Bitterness. Being thankful, giving thanks, I believe, is a strong deterrent to becoming bitter. When we when we there's something about being thankful. That is humbling. There's something about being thankful that declares our need and our appreciation of the one who has provided even what we didn't even realize we need. Don't become bitter. Be thankful. Not only is it a deterrent against bitterness. but well, I believe that thankfulness is a strong deterrent against discouragement. Now, the negative and the bad, are, they're out there. In the world in which we live in today, we're bombarded continually with negative news and bad news. And I'm convinced if we aren't careful, if we let that become our focus, all the bad, all the wrong, all the, all the depressing, if that remains our focus too long, we'll end up discouraged. We'll end up discouraged and losing heart and becoming discouraged is like rust eating away at your ninety-six or ninety-seven Ford, you know, whatever it is there. It's just it's, it's 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 eating away at it. It's just slowly eating it away. Thankfulness, hopefulness, counter that discouragement. I'm told of I read this story and I, I tried to I tried to vet this. Paige has got me first source, and she's a big deal on go back to the first source and and Jeff this week, and I'd, I'd read an article and got all excited about it. And then Jeff over says, but you didn't follow it up the sources, Jerry. And he was right. First and I read this story, so I'm acknowledging up front. I, I could not follow the trail. But if it fits what I want to preach on, so I'm going to use it. So you just take it for what it's worth. <laughs> all right? And I, I, will, I will follow this up with a firsthand story, though, afterward. <clears throat> but I'd, I'd read the story, and it's from a, a, a soldier in World War I. And he was he was sharing this with a group, how that he and and part of his I don't know what it was part of his group of men company or unit or whatever they are, but they had they were they were fighting they had fought and so, in the fighting they had got cut off from the rest of their unit, and they had fought and when they realized what had happened they were surrounded by the enemy, and they fought. And every day they fought and valiant and, and bitterly. And their food supply was very limited because they, they just had the rations that were with them and the water supply. And after a few short days, the food and water began to run out. And the enemy knew this. They had them cut off. And the enemy would, uh, would send a message every day. There's no way out. There's no escaping. You're we're, we're cut off. You need to surrender or die. And every day... Every day, they would fight, and the message would come, you need to surrender or you'll all die. Soon, they realized the food ran out, and the water was almost gone, and then they realized they had another serious issue. The ammunition was gone. They had one shell remaining. They didn't know what to do. The night night came, and they knew that in the morning, the next attack, they wouldn't be able to hold them off, and they prayed, and they didn't know what to do. And as they prayed... Someone said that this was what they felt like the Lord wanted to do. So they fired the one shot up in the air in hopes that some of the Allied forces would see the shot, know the location, and maybe know that they were still holding on. But they knew that morning would come. The next morning, right after the break of light, they heard a plane come overhead, and the plane dropped a package, some packages into their position. And they dropped food, they dropped water, they dropped ammunition. And on the package was this note, don't give up, we're coming. Don't give up, we're coming. With renewed hope, with renewed courage, with renewed strength, they fought on. And the next day, they got another drop with some more food, more water, more ammunition. And said, hold on, we're coming. And they held on. And eventually, the help did come and reinforcements did arrive. And they were able to be reunited with their forces because they replaced discouragement and defeat with hope. Now, I share that, and I told you I wasn't able to vet it, but after first service, Jim Jim Powell, where's Jim? He, uh, he, may, he may have left to serve. He came up, and he said, Jerry, I'm going to tell you. He said, I don't know about that story, because I'm going to tell you a story, true story, and it may be Mr. Fred Sims. It was a Sims, and this was from World War II, and he said uh, that one of the young Harris men, one of the, the Towns County guys, uh, they were in the middle of a fierce battle and of course back here at home they wouldn't didn't it was not like jews travel hard as fast as it does now they didn't know all they knew was the men were fighting and one night in prayer meeting at church over in towns county uh just the holy spirit of god really really burdened them to pray specifically for for this soldier and for his men and uh it would be later after the war was over and he returned home and they were, they were recounting different stories and they realized that on that very night as they prayed, that his, this, his men had run out of ammunition and they were waiting for the next morning and they, they, if, if the enemy attacked, they would have no hope of of, of countering their attack. Instead, said that the next morning it was foggy and as the fog began to lift, they saw the enemy coming toward them. And they knew this was the end. And so they just readied their, their bayonets and readied their guns and it was gonna, they were going to fight to the end. But when the enemy, when, as they stepped out of the fog, the enemy were all coming with their hands held high. And they said, we want to surrender. Don't shoot us. They never let them know they didn't have any bullets to shoot them with. And he talked about what a, what a miraculous deliverance as God's people prayed. Prayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Somebody said, it's always too quick, too soon to quit. There's one more story I want to share with you. I'm about to finish. But it's a story, it's another man, that, that if anyone, in my opinion, if anyone ever had a right to quit and to give up, he could have. He could have. He was in prison for a crime that he, he said he'd never done. And not only was he in prison, but even in prison, they had him chained and every day the, the chains and the, the manacles wore into his hands and to his ankles. And it's easy to think that he has forgotten. And when he would hear footsteps coming down the hall, he would think that the next footsteps he heard was going to be those that were going to take him to his execution. But instead of giving up, the Apostle Paul would write these words. Can you believe that? These words he wrote from a prison cell, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You got to be kidding, Paul. You got to be kidding. He had learned the value of true thanksgiving. And I'm convinced that Paul, that the Holy Spirit Motivating Paul said, Paul, you've not only learned that, but you have to be sure that those if the ones who come to to take your uh, pick one day, pick up your lifeless body and, and to dispose of it, take care of it. Are those who, who would dare follow after you, Paul, you have to be sure they know how important it is to be thankful To not not let an attitude of ingratitude harden their hearts or make their hearts cold. Paul, tell them to give thanks for all things because God is in control. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul didn't have a Thanksgiving day. Every day for Paul was a day to give thanks unto the Lord. We... uh, we, we played a game of author cards. The other night. Anybody, anybody remember playing author cards? Some of you do. But Barbie got, we ran across, we used to play them as was growing up. And uh, that's, where I, that's where I got, uh, liter, uh, liter, that's where I increased my literary prowess. <laughs> <laughs> that, somehow I know that don't even fit with your Hilton. But that's where I learned about the Song of Hiawatha and all these. But, um, she, but she, got, she got the cards down and they were large prints so I can read them. Okay, and, uh, and so Charles Dickens was talking about, and Charles Dickens, said, and we were playing off the cards, and I was reminded of something I'd read one time that Charles Dickens said. Charles Dickens said that Americans, instead of having one day a year for Thanksgiving, that Americans should set aside one day a year for griping and complaining, and the other 364 for giving of thanks. Wow, wow. puts things in perspective. When we give thanks, When we give thanks, and I was reading an article by, uh, it was written a few years ago by uh, Billy Graham. Uh, His wife got home to be with the Lord, physical challenges in his life. Uh, And he was talking about being thankful in all things. It puts it in perspective. Thanksgiving puts in perspective material things. Material things come, go, you know, uh, We'll have it. We won't have it. They're not to control us. They're not to own us. But how, I'm I'm thankful about Isaiah 55. Why do you spend your labor for that which satisfies not? You know, why do we do that? Because the world says you need that to be happy. And God's word says, seek me first in my kingdom. And I'll add all the other stuff you need. Puts it in perspective, material things. Thanksgiving puts others in perspective you know other people can unforgiveness anger bitterness just uh had someone recently just angry angry and they were angry angry with with some family members and uh and and they were just you don't know. You don't, this, the, the, you don't know. My family don't care anything about me. My family. And, and I'm sitting there on the other perspective. And I just spent time with, with the other family. Watching them weep. And care. But we lose perspective. Giving of thanks can bring a fresh perspective to people. Other people. To things. <laughs> Thanksgiving can even bring perspective about ourselves. I'm reminded. And, and to me. One of the greatest deterrents of someone being thankful. Today in our day's mentality is I see too many people saying, "Well, why should I give thanks to God? I've done this, I've done this." Kind of reminds me about you know we have set ourselves up as God. I've done this. Look what I've accomplished. Why should I give thanks to Him? I'm the one that's earned this. Reminds me of a story I read. I told you I was closing a story ago, but I've got to. But the story is too good not to share with you. Stories of a of a, a man. He's a, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company now. I think that means that he worked for a big company and he was important, right? Making a lot of money, supposedly. And it makes sense because they pulled up to, to a service station in their new convertible Mercedes and he went inside to pay for their fill-up. And he comes back outside and his wife is talking to one of the service station attendants there and, uh, and she introduces him and she said introduced the man into her husband. She said, he and I used to date when we were in high school. So the husband gets in the car, and they drive off, and it's, it's quiet for a little while. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. It's silent for a little while. And finally, the husband, feeling pretty good about himself, looks over and says, well, I guess you've just been thinking that you're surely glad that you married me, who's a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, instead of marrying him, and you'd be married to a service station attendant. And she said, well, I have been thinking, but she said, what I was thinking was, if I had married him, he would be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you would be a service station attendant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so sometimes this, uh, sometimes when we're thankful, they can put things in perspective that we, are not our, make our, we don't make ourselves, but it's God's grace and it's God's goodness. Giving thanks improves our perspective not only about material things, not only about other people, not only about ourselves, but I'm convinced that giving thanks can really improve our perspective about God and His gift of salvation through His Son Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter nine verse fifteen. It's powerful. It says, Thank God for this gift to wonderful for words. That's Jesus. Boy, if that's not a segue into the Christmas season, right? Three Sundays left. Thank God for his gift, this gift. To uh, uh, King James says it's unspeakable. In other words, words, words are inadequate to describe. What's that? It oh, was a Mounds candy bar. Is, is it a mounds or the almond joy? It's indescribably delicious. Which, which one is that? Mounds. Indescribably delicious. Well, that's kind of how God is. That's how Jesus is. He's indescribably delicious and we're to give thanks to God, to him. In this season of being thankful and giving thanks, have you opened your heart to to his son, to this gift? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Personal friend. Not uh, Not just someone that you come to church uh, a couple of times a week and hear a pastor or a missionary or somebody talk about and t- describe to you how good he is. But somebody that you know. You know how good they are. Now, I happen to be, uh, uh, happen to be kin to Larry and, and, and grew up, and he was one of my heroes, Larry Helton. He was a little bit older than me. Uh, I remember when he went off to, to Vietnam had a little red Corvair, and he went off to Vietnam to fight in Vietnam. And I was still just a kid in, in high school, just barely shaving. And he was my hero. And he came back and uh, he started dating this girl that uh, was a na- kind of neighbor girl, Jurlene Grizzle. Now, can you imagine Larry? Coming over and, and, and talk to somebody, and they said, Larry, let me tell you about this, let me tell you about this little, little red-headed lady over there. She is awesome. She is sweet. She is kind. You need to get to know her. And Larry said, man, that sounds good. I need to get to know her. I'll be back next week and let you tell me more about her. So next week, Larry come back, and sure enough, and, and he said, tell me more about this lady. And, and they said, Well, Larry, it's not only is she, is she good looking and all, and she's sweet and she's pretty, but she works. She's a hard worker and she's so, and she's so gracious and kind and, and seems to appreciate everything. And Larry said, Man, that's awesome. She sounds great. I'll be back next week and let you tell me more about her. Now, after a couple, three or four weeks, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Larry and say, You're my hero, but there's something wrong with this picture. You need to be wanting to meet that girl. Because it just hearing somebody tell you about how good she is, how great she is, how wonderful she is, that just don't, you need to know for yourself, you need to meet her, right? right? Now folks, there may be a lot of people that's just coming back week after week to a lot of our churches to have somebody tell them how good Jesus is and they say, I'll be back next week, you tell me more. I pray that that would, that you're not hearing that's not you, never happened here. Because I want to tell you, he wants to to know you and you to know him personally. You don't have to depend on Jerry Helton or Jim Buckman or our, our Todd Christensen to tell you how good Jesus is because he is a personal savior and he knows you. I was praying first service. Um, we're all so unique. I, I, I'm on this snowflake thing now. I'm ready for snow, okay? But uh, they say... FaZe, you can't first source this, but they say every snowflake is different. I don't know how you prove that. They melt before I can inspect the suckers, okay? <laughs> but I'm just taking somebody's word for it. So take that for however good it is. But I kind of believe that. God, God, is, God is omnipotent enough that he, he, he can do whatever he wants to. And if God says, okay, I want to make every snowflake different, it's different. But I do know this. Every one of us are different and uniquely special to him and even more important than the snowflake. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves me. That's boggling. I told somebody this week, it, 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 it boggled me. Now, it don't take much to boggle, Jerry Helton. boggle means it's just, a. I don't know how you'd get a better word to describe that, Terry. I, uh, what's the better word? I don't, it boggled me. It just amazes me. That Barbie Barbie, that Barbie knows me, and, that's, and, and especially, I mean, after 45 years of her and the Holy Spirit working on me, she's had me for 45 years, and, and the Holy Spirit's had me a little bit longer than that. And, and, and I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not what I need to be. But somewhere in between, but I said it just boggles me that she, that she still loves me. And I want to tell you something. There's one who knows me better than her, and he loves me. And there's one who knows everything about you. Everything about you. And he loves you this morning. He loves you. He loves you. Do you know him? He can put a song in your heart. He can take away bitterness and replace it with thankfulness. He can take away discouragement and replace it with hope. That's my Jesus. Are you thankful? No matter what. If you don't know him, don't be content listening to somebody tell you how good he is. Meet him for yourself. How many years y'all been married, Larry and Jolene? Fifty. Ooh, that's the rest of the story. And they see I see them walking in sometimes, coming in and holding hands and sitting down together. And I just I just say, praise the Lord, because they're still, they love each other. Your Father loves you that much. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we've um, just, I guess, Lord, if we just tuck this little nugget, this little co- cookie of a scripture apart, like an Oreo, and we've... Tucked the cracker on the bottom of humility and humbleness and submission we tuck the cracker on the top lord of, of, of joy and of song and lord we've licked and tasted that sweet white center of giving thanks this morning and it's a good good thing that you do when your holy spirit fills and continues to fill our lives with joy with thanksgiving with humility Lord, may may those who don't know you see that lived out in the lives of your children and desire to know you. Not just hear someone else tell them about you, but to know you. So it's my prayer this morning. Lord, if there's those here who have never opened their hearts and said, "Yeah, yeah, I don't want to just know more about you, Jesus. I want to know you. Can you do that for me? He can. He will. That's what he wants to do. This personal relationship. Hey, don't make it complicated right where you said if you've never asked him to come in. Would you just say, Jesus, come into my life. I need that hope to replace discouragement. I need that thankfulness to replace bitterness. Ingratitude. gratitude. I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me. Do whatever you want to do in my life. It's yours. Thank you, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer with your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you pray that prayer, I would appreciate it if you just hold your hand up. I want to pray for you right now as we close. Just raise your hand, say, I pray that prayer, pastor, I see the hands, see those hands. Praise the Lord, see those hands. I see that hand. Others that need to say, "I paid that prayer, pastor. thank you so much. You can put them down. Father, we worship you, we give you glory, we give you honor. That Lord this morning is not just knowing more about you, but this morning it's knowing you and you knowing us. Wow. Wow indescribably amazing, indescribably wonderful, this gift of God, of eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. For these who have raised their hands, I pray, Heavenly Father, You continue to do all that You've designed from eternity past in their lives and through them to those that they have influence and affect. In Jesus' name, amen.